Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. Jesus, 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 because there is power in that name. Would you just take a second, if you're happy for Jesus today, to give him a clap praise. Come on, clap for a God that woke you up this morning, a God that gave you a second chance, a God that kept your heart beating through the night. And woke you up and gave you another opportunity this morning to come praise him in his house. You know, over in 105.4, Psalms 105 and 4, it speaks about seeking the Lord. And we want to seek the Lord and his strength and his face forevermore. You know, sometimes if we just be honest with ourselves... We seek everything until we get up to the Lord, until we've exhausted ourselves to the point that we know that there's no other way but for the Lord to assist us. So Psalm 105.4 says, seek the Lord in his strength and seek his face forevermore. Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Even before Jesus said that, we see in the Psalms encouragement to seek the Lord. We need to start seeking the Lord, people. We, we seek everything else before the Lord. Let's get in the practice and the habit of seeking the Lord first. And so seek the Lord because why? God is always waiting for us to come to him. He stands with open arms. We waiting with open arms, but he's waiting on us to seek him with open arms. Seek him. He is strong and capable. He is beautiful and true. Seek him every day for all your days. Can we stand for prayer this morning? If you're physically able. Heavenly Father, your name is holy, and you will reign forever. Let your will be done in my life, in our lives. You care for us and are always there for us. Thank you for sending your Son so that we are able to come into your presence. I want to seek you for all my days. We want you to know us. We want to know you. 
and we want to love you more than we do now. Don't let us grow complacent in our relationships with you. Always let us seek your face. You will never leave or forsake us. Never allow us to leave you. I declare and decree over this service today, O Heavenly Father, that every believer, that every believer in here under the sound of my voice will seek you for their strength, O dear Lord. No matter what their circumstances is, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the condition is, O Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak strength over this service today. In his holy name, everyone said, amen. Let us worship. Amen. I want to talk about identity, something I've never even talked about ever. <laughs> it's like it's my only thing I can think about is our identity in Christ. But I want to talk about it as it includes our dignity and worth. And we sang about that today in the Reckless Love Song and talked about our worth in Christ and how important that is. But my wife and I would like more than anything to help every person we meet to know and reach a place of loving trust in the finished work of Christ. A meaningful relationship with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and an abiding sense of Christ in you. That's what we want. That's our desire that everybody would be able to experience that, experience that, you know, that abiding peace, that abiding sense of Christ in you, because that's so, so important. But I'd like to start today in a scripture out of Galatians in uh, the Message Bible. I'll be in Message and New King James today, but if, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's at least, I don't know, four or five different uh, you know, like uh, Zondervan, uh, uh, Baker Press, they have what are called parallel Bibles. You can get four translations in one Bible. So you can get, if you want it, if you have the New King James, you can get the New Living Translation, you can get the message, and you can also get, you know, another, another, another uh, translation, four translations in one Bible. Now, I'll just let you know going forward, it's big. And, but it's worth it. I mean, when you got all four right there, and you don't have to carry four Bibles, <laughs> it, really, it really works. I know it works for me, you know what I'm saying? But today I have my solo uh, message Bible because it's large print. <laughs> How many like large print? <laughs> I, some of my, I, I still have my first Bible I read when I got saved in 1976. And when I look at that thing, I say, what? I read that? I can't even see it. The only thing I can see on the front is Holy Bible. It was a King James Holy Bible. I used to read it because I, I worked when I first got saved. I worked for the Illuminating Company. I used to take that Bible and read it sometimes two hours a day, maybe three hours a day, because I wanted to know everything I could find out about what I just did. What about mine? 
Oh, yeah, I wasn't stealing time. I, when you, in, in CEI, the job that I had, you'd go on a job and you have to wait for it because I'm putting in a pole or I'm putting on a transformer on a pole. I have to wait for the linemen to come out with their trucks. they got to get out of the garage with all their stuff. So I'm sitting two, three hours at a time doing nothing, waiting for the other crews so I can get my job done and go home. You know what I'm saying? It's just part of the job. My wife says, make sure you tell them you didn't steal time. She, she's right on it. Amen. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. I, I just really enjoy the message translation. It just, it just I don't know, for, for me it sends me. It just excites me. I, it's just fun to read for me. Here it says in verse 19, Galatians 2:19. What actually took place is this. That's what it's that's like. It's almost like my first Bible. <laughs> what actually took place is this. Now I just got to give you something else. So this is for old, us older folks. I'm, you know, I'm going to be 72 this year. And so, when I took that Bible, this is a true story. When I took that Bible with my wife once, we went to Florida. I put that, you know, the chair in the in the in the by the where the waves come in, you know, in the in the sand, and I sat there in the light. And you know how bright it is with the sun. I could see that Bible without glasses, as if it was noon. I mean, I had no problem reading it, you know, even without my glasses, because it's all about it. Our eyes. It's all about when we get older, light. And if you know anything about the Book of Revelation, it says that in the the New Jerusalem where we're going. There will be no sun. We'll have God's light. And God's light will be so bright, there will be no problem with our eyes. What a great promise. Amen? No, uh, no glasses. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. And guess what? It didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. <clears throat> I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego, how many know what ego stands for? Edging God out. E-G-O, acrostic. <clears throat> My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear <clears throat> righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Why? Because Christ lives in me. Amen? And the life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me. Hey, you get excited. I, if you get excited, it's okay to shout. You're in a Pentecostal church, and you know, Marie said, this is not Baptist. Now, here's how she learned it because she came from Baptist. I came from Catholic, you know. So, Baptist, this is how you stand in worship. In Catholic, in Catholic this is how you stand. You got snaps over here. You can't raise your hands because it's snapped to your side. And I had to unsnap those and get my hands up to Jesus. Amen? 
It's like a stick up. You come up, put the gun in your back. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> Live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm not going back on that. Isn't that awesome? Awesome thoughts. But becoming a person you want to be, the person who lives in constant victory, prosperity, joy, and peace, is totally dependent on leaving the past behind. Jesus did not die and conquer death and hell to clean up your old life. I'll say it again. Jesus did not die and conquer death and hell to clean up your old life. He did all that to give you a new life. Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 in the message. 2 Corinthians. You can use your verse, your translation, and follow along. It's not that difficult. 2 Corinthians. It's right after 1 Corinthians. Amen? And right before... Galatians. Third, oh, third Corinthians. Yeah, that's good, Mark. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. Okay? Jesus died for all our sins. I don't know about you, but I like free gifts. How many like free gifts? If, it's, if I get a free gift to go to heaven just for saying yes to Jesus... I say, yes, Jesus. You know, he's my Savior. I couldn't do it. You're going to learn some things today that you don't have to worry about. And it's good news. How many like good news? You know, if you want bad news, just buy the plain dealer. All you got to do is drop the L and you know what you got. Pain. The pain. I used to call it the pain dealer when I was a kid. Not the plain dealer. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone, and that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Man, that's good news. And because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they, know, how they look we look at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look where? Inside. Say inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone. Now, that's good news for me. I don't know about you. A new life flourishes. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle the relationship with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. Man, I'll tell you, I don't know about you guys, but if I wasn't a preacher, like some of you, I would be thinking, how could I be a preacher? Because this is such good news, you've got to tell everybody about it. You've got to let them know it's good news. See, God has given us the tasks of telling everybody what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. We know it says in New King James, ambassadors. 
Amen? But God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend for you. He's already a friend with you. How you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so he could be put the right with so you could be put right with God. That's the great exchange. I'll tell you that being born again is about an exchange. You know? All of our stuff on Jesus and all of his stuff on us. What an exchange. See, the person you were before Christ is dead. We just read it in Galatians 2.20 and here 2 Corinthians 5.17. Knowing that the old person is dead, why are you attempting to solve all of its problems? If it's dead, why are you trying to solve it? That's the question. So if that person is not dead, then you did not actually get a new life in Christ. And there's no such thing as new birth. There's just that new effort. I've got to try harder. I've got to do more. I got to pray more. I got to give more. I got to do 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 a lot of do do. How many know what you do with do do? Yeah, that's right. See, a lot of Christian counseling wants you to deal with past issues. It's psychobabble. It's not biblical. See, years ago we would call that thing psychobabble. Why? Because it is what it is. Babble. Psychobabble. See, when we live to accept the finished work of Jesus, we renew our minds to believe one thing. We have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Sometimes you have to tell, you, you think, I don't have to do this every day? Let me tell you, I do. Because my mind keeps going to doo-doo. You know, and I don't want to doo-doo anymore. I want Jesus. So you have to, and I will talk about that later. It's in the Bible, but I'll, I'll talk about that in the end time in, of this teaching. But we which equals the mind of Christ equals resurrection realities. And to begin to experience God's empowering grace. I love grace. See, grace says, I love you. Never judges you. Never argues with you. Doesn't have to be right. Because it loves you right where you're at. How many know you just not everybody, every, all of us in this room are at different places in our relationship with God, in our relationship with Jesus. But what makes us all have the same mind? Grace and love. You know, that's what it's all about. I love you just like you are. But I don't want to leave you there because God doesn't either. He wants you to come full circle to the finished work and accept all the goodness that he has for you. See, the heart of the gospel is good news. Is the fact that Christ gave himself in a complete exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21 The work done on the cross was more than a sacrifice. In this exchange, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 That's up there. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus didn't simply carry our sin, he became our sin in order to free us from the power of sin and all of its effects. See, when we commit sin, sometimes we don't see or feel its effects right away. Sometimes the consequences are a little later down the road. 
But there's always consequences to sin. And sometimes we get scot-free for a while. But always, you know, and God loves us, but sometimes sin has consequences. And some of the biggest consequences are is trying ourselves to forgive ourselves for what we did. I don't know about you, but for me in my life, that's what's been always the hardest. Trying to forgive myself when I already know I'm forgiven. He already said I'm forgiven. But there's a consequence. You know, and there's a time when it's there and there's a time when it's gone. See, but God's justice required that the sinner pay for his own sin. But Jesus became a man and lived a sinless life. He had no sin of his own to pay for. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, the prophet describes what happened on the cross like this. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, we were the ones who went astray. I was the one. Yet all of our iniquity was rushed upon Jesus. See, in a notable Old Testament commentary that I have in my office, if you ever want to see it, you can come and see it because I have books everywhere. That's a bit, one of the biggest things that Maria and I fight about downsizing, you know, and getting into something smaller, a smaller place, is what are we going to do with 9,000 books, Mike? I got books everywhere. I got books here. I got books in my house. I got books in my basement. I got books everywhere. I mean, I need to buy a condo just for my books. You know, I, nobody wants to buy books anymore. No. No. <laughs> How many bookstores do you know are still on the planet? Hey, many. Where do buy, people buy books? Online. Dink. How, how long does it take? Three seconds. Turn to Amazon. Two days later, front door. Didn't even have to get out of the house. Didn't even have to drive the car. It's there. Front door. Things have changed. Yes, they have. But in this Old Testament commentary by Kyle and Delich, this, this is described, this, this thing we're talking about, laying our iniquity on him. Just as the blood of a murdered man comes upon the murderer when the blood deed committed comes back upon him in the form of blood guiltlessness, guiltness, inflicting vengeance, so does sin come upon, overtake, or meet with the sinner. It went forth from his, him as his own act, and it returns with destructive effect as the fact by which he is condemned. But in the case, God does not suffer those who have sinned to be overtaken by sin they have committed. But it falls upon Jesus, the righteous one. Whew. Come on, church. That's, that's, we can shout, for, shout from the, you know, we can swing from the chandeliers like they did in the old Pentecostal churches. Amen. The truth that Jesus literally became my, our sin, is sometimes beyond comprehension. But it should not be beyond experience. The truth that he became my or our sin means that I do not live as a sinner saved by grace anymore. You show me in the new covenant where you're called a sinner after you're saved by grace. You're not. He calls all of us all of us in this room are saints. Every one of us are a saint because of what Jesus did for us. I am. The sinner is dead. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago. 
freedom from sin and freedom from the power and the consequences of it is the essential truth for living the resurrected life in Christ now. As Apostle Paul so eloquently stated in Galatians 2.20, the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Does that mean I know it all? No. It's a mystery, church. It's a mystery. Can we all explain it to the T? No. We can just do our best to love one another. That alone is a, you know, a challenge to keep us busy all day. <laughs> but Jesus applied his faith to obtain righteousness, to be raised from the dead, to give me, to give us a new life. The sinner I once was is now dead. You want to know where you start in Galatians 2.20? You're dead. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm going to tell you something in a few minutes that will blow your mind about that. But I'm going to save that for a couple of minutes. The old me, the old us, and all of our past issues has died. It's not required by God or by your Bible to go back in your past and find ways to overcome all the hurt, pain, rejection, and sin of the old man. He really is dead. I went to his funeral. It's called water baptism. Let's go to Romans 6. He'll tell us all about your funeral. Romans 6. I love Romans 6. What shall we say then? New King James. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? How many know if I use the amplified version, we'd be here till tomorrow? Cer certainly not. How shall we who sin who we who died to sin live any longer in it? We're dead. I'm dead. Do I fear death? No, I don't fear it anymore because I'm already dead. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Whew, I love it, Lord Jesus. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And once you know who you are, son of God, daughter of God, once you know, you don't sin no more. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. You're not a sinner. You want, you keep, thinking that you're a sinner, guess what you're going to keep sinning? You're going to keep doing sin. If you get away from that concept and that reality, you don't sin no more. It's gone. Now, if, if, if we died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Amen? Death no longer has dominion over him or over us. For the death that he died, he died to sin, listen, once for all. 
But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead in your members as instruments of righteousness of, to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, or you are not under, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. That's strong language. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves to obey. You are that one's slaves that whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Does she need something? Let's pray for her real quick. Lord, we just pray for Scarlett right now. Lord, any coughing or whatever she's going through that, Lord, I pray we just pray for a healing right now, Lord, to stop any congestion, anything that's happening in her body and heal her right now. She wants water, so she's in good shape. In Jesus' name. See, water baptism is where we accept the death of the old and the resurrection of the new. I was baptized a long time ago, water baptized. But that's why I keep reading the Bible. Because it keeps reminding me of what really happened. It was my funeral. Water baptism. See, I have, we have, you have the mind of Christ. And in Jesus, your old man really is dead. You are dead to sin. Yet if you insist that you are not dead to sin, you will never experience this as your reality. See, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. If you keep confessing you're a sinner, guess what you're going to get? What you confess. Confess. Romans 6.11 in the Amplified, which we just read, says, even says this. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. <coughs> we must accept all the new covenant realities that God's ways, as says we are, is truth. The moment you consider them to be true, anything I've talked about so far, the moment you consider them to be true, your perception changes. Your basic, basic, your basis of logic and reasoning changes. But more importantly, when you accept God's New Testament truth as real, you experience His grace that empowers you to live in that reality. Don't allow carnal logic to rob you of all this cornerstone reality. If this is not the starting place for your new life, you will never escape the past. You will spend your life counseling your past, cleaning it up, and trying to overcome. When that person, according to the scriptures, is dead. You're going to counsel your dead old man? You're going to try to clean up a dead old man? 
You're going to try harder to please God with a dead old man? Or are you just going to rest in the finished work? Just rest in the new man. Leave the dirt on the grave and move on. Accept the crucified reality. When Christ died, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus was resurrected, you were resurrected. And when Jesus ascended to the Father, you also ascended to the Father. And according to Ephesians 2.6, today and every day you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the mind of Christ. That's having the mind of Christ. See, one of the ways you know you believe something at heart level as opposed to the mind level, 18 inches from the heart to the mind, is when belief alters your sense of identity. Your belief alters your identity. And until your belief in the New Testament truth changes the way you see yourself, it is more of an intellectual concept than a heart belief. And until it's a heart belief, I'll tell you what, it will never change your life. I see people sometimes, I preach it every Sunday, but I don't see change because it's intellectual. It's not heart belief. When it becomes heart belief, everything changes. Your perception, everything. And we can't get on with resurrection life if all we focus on is former life, who I was, corruption before Christ. I don't see myself dead. I mean, let it died the death it deserves. Amen? When we, are, when we see ourselves as God's sons and daughters, our new identity in Christ, and believe that we have the mind of Christ, to that degree it becomes our reality. But we must be willing to follow Jesus in his death. We don't have to suffer death for our sins because Jesus paid the price. I don't have to suffer. How many say hallelujah? He died the death that awaits every person born into sin. See, the question to ask ourselves, will we accept his death as our death? Because that's what Scripture is saying to us in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Are we willing to lay down all our past life with all of its memories and illusions and false identity and say, and walk away from it. And say, it's no, no, more, no longer a part of me. And when we do, we see ourselves as God has made us to be through Christ. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Verse 25 and 26. New King James it says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit as it is, what, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now let me just say something. This is where... This is my surprise right here. I'm going to save you some time, and you're going to maybe question it yourself. If you go up to verse 24 in Matthew 16, 
It says, take up the cross and follow him on high caption of my Bible. Because it says in verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples. Now, this is the Jesus before he died on the cross. Are you with me? How many know there was no new covenant until there was a death of the tester? Hebrews 9. This is Jesus talking about new covenant, talking about kingdom, but it still didn't happen. And he says to his disciples at that time, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, based on Galatians 2.20, that does not apply anymore. It doesn't apply. I don't start here. I start in Galatians 2.20. I'm dead. It's no longer I who lives. And there's a lot of things like that in these four writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've got to be, it says, rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to have discernment. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to get through it. Otherwise, you're going to be doing things like popping your eye out because you've got a sinful eye. A lot of Christians will be walking around with patches on their eyes. Would you have to pluck your eye this week, honey? Would you pluck your eye? Jesus. Why would you have to do it if you're dead? You don't have to do it. You're dead. See, to hold on to the illusion is a vain attempt to save your life. You're already dead. Want to go back to that scripture and read it another hundred times before we get it? To accept that death is the way to live in new power and new strength and new identity. See, grace is God's power that works from within. It's an inside job. He's working on the inside of you right now. And a lot of times he's kicking. What was that? Oh, Jesus. See, faith accepts God's view and opinion of you as present reality. When God's opinion becomes our opinion, when his reality becomes my reality, then we can experience life in Christ as it really is. See, the Greek word for glory is doxa, D-O-X-A. The glory of God is beyond description, but there is one final concept to the glory of God. All of his splendor, all of his greatness, all of his majesty exists because it's God's view and opinion of reality. We have to start believing that. Where's his glory? Man, it's here. It's highest places, loaded with glory. If you could see in the spirit, there'd be beams of light shooting out of this roof, like shooting up to heaven because of all the sons and daughters of God gathered in one place. All that happens in praise and worship is everything speeds up. The reason I can see you in, the, in, this, in this realm is because you are spirit slowed down. You're visible because he slowed your spirit down. When you die and leave, your, leave this earth suit, leave it over there in the dust, and you bury it, you go into a realm called speed. It's speed. 
past the speed of light. You know the speed of light, you can't ever say it was. Like if you look it up today and said the speed of light is so and so and so, tomorrow it's another speed. It's always increasing. God is fabulous. I can't wait to get it face to face with this and see what's going on. Amen? But it's his choice, God's word, which is his opinion, creates a glorious reality called your dignity and your worth. And it's called the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God exists on the plane that is access, accessible to all men. It can only be entered internally. When you are living in the kingdom of God, your life will change forever. You'll never be the same. Luke 17, 20, 21 says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or over there, because the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Where is the heart? Within you. It's not the thing that pumps the blood. It's who you are, the inner man. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 And it's only when we accept, focus on, and live from internal realities that the kingdom of God, that we actually experience His power on a regular basis, every day. It's always there. You want to raise the dead? Every day you can do it. What's stopping you? Belief. You have the mind of Christ. Instead of looking in the mirror in the bathroom, which how many ever get up in the morning, go to the bathroom and look in the mirror? Say, man, where were you yesterday? I mean, if you look in the mirror, you're like, nah, that's not me. I'm that guy I saw in the commercial with the muscles. That's not who we are in the mirror. That's not who we are. We need to look to the hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of identity scriptures in the Word of God, what He says about who we are. You get His opinion. You get His reality. When you start believing what He thinks about you, your life will change. You'll never be the same again. And then we'll see ourselves in a whole new light Reading, studying, memorizing those scriptures about who we are and what we have will give us the basis to consider God's truth as our reality, as my reality. Amen? And as you consider the good things about yourself and Jesus to be real, it will seal the deal that you have the mind of Christ. And it will change your focus from illusion of becoming to the reality of being. You're a being. You're not a doing. This world wants you to believe you're a doing. Get it out of your head. You have to be a part of the kingdom. In the kingdom, you're a being. The power of God will take you through a metamorphosism that will bring the rest of your being in line with your eternal reality. And as a believer, you will look somewhere for your sense of reality and identity, your dignity and worth. And if you don't look to God, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna buy into something. A lot cheaper and a lot not real. Illusions. Past things. 
You're going to keep trying to go into the past when the past is dead. Amen? You may look to your past, which is an illusion, the memories of a dead person. You may look to the eternal present, which is legalism, or you can look to the hidden man of the heart, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the only way to escape the worldly concepts of change and enter into the kingdom experience of full and complete transformation in Christ. Every, every believer in Christ, every, every believer in Christ has untapped resources. That's no wonder Miles Monroe years ago said, whenever I go to the graveyard, I say, I can look all over the graves and see untapped resources dead in the graves because people just didn't use all that God gave them. Not only are these resources untapped, they're unlimited. We have the life and the power of God in us. It's here. Prego. It's in you. Even if you're not born again yet, it's still there. It just has to be untapped. It just has to be believed. And when you start believing it, your life changes. It changes. We must remember that it's more about being than doing. Christ in you is the un. Limited resource for self-worth and personal power. I'd like the worship team to come. And this is the key to confidence and faith to walk in every promise of God. How many know how many promises are in this word? Over. Over 7,700 promises that are for every believer. That will keep you busy for a lifetime. And this is the root of every positive and healthy emotion. This is the ultimate in being the person you want to be. We are who we are in direct proportion to our sense of Christ in me. Christ in me. Amen? It is no longer I who live. I've been crucified. I've been to the funeral, water baptism. Amen? And now I'm living a new life in Christ. And today, today and every day, make every effort to connect to Jesus in you. It'll transform your potential into power. And everything you need from God, everything you need from God is already in you. It's already there. You need a healing? It's already there. You need a miracle? It's already there. You need finances? You need a house? It's already there. It's already there. It's all within. Amen? And you're better? Thank God. Thank you. 
we are born again, we have power over sin. And there's a scripture in Hebrews 10 that is probably my favorite, one of my favorites, is your sin I will remember no more. That's an incredible promise. Amen? Well, but I want to just encourage you today to know that what you're hearing on TV isn't all true. Every picture you see, I mean, they've shown that it's from video games. They've shown prop shots from before. What you're seeing is not really true. And I don't want to go into it. I just want to say it's time, beloved, that we pray for truth to be revealed we love 
like I said, we love the Russian people and we love the Ukraine people. We love all people. But we, there is an enemy out there trying to still kill and destroy. He's a liar. That's the only thing he has is lies. And we cannot fall prey to those lies. So I am asking and encouraging every one of you to pray in the Spirit more and more. Because the Holy Spirit is there to teach us all things, all truth. So as we pray, you know, because I sometimes have a hard time praying for what's going on. And he has revealed to me that what we're seeing is not what is really happening. So it's important that we put on the mind of Christ. That is meaning that we think like he thinks. That is the mind of Christ. It's, it's, it's how Christ thinks is how we should be thinking according to his word. And I want to say one last thing about the goodness of God. That lost sheep. You know, in the, new, in the old covenant, in fact, the Pharisees were mad at Jesus because he went after that one lost sheep. Because you see, under the law, which is death, on the Sabbath, that sheep could not be saved. But Jesus, the law of love, broke that old covenant law and went after that lost sheep. Why? What prevailed? Love. We don't deserve it. That sheep didn't earn anything. He was just lost and found by the Savior, just like me and you. What I loved about that text is it said, Jesus put him around his shoulders. He carried him in his time of need. He's carried me many times, and I know he's carried you. So, beloved, we have in us the love of God. We can't do it on our own flesh. It doesn't work. That's why he, what he taught the Pharisees. Under the law, the law was given by God to show them they couldn't do it. They couldn't earn it. They couldn't work for it. That Jesus came and had to do it for us. And all we had to do is the simple gospel is only believe. Believe what Jesus did on that cross and his resurrection power that he did for you, that he did for me individually. That's simple. He made a way that a child could understand it. It's called faith. Believing being fully convinced. The word believing means to be fully convinced that what Jesus did, he did for you. I'm fully convinced that he did it for me. So beloved, I just encourage you probably turn off the TV and go into your prayer closet. Pray in the spirit and ask the Lord what he wants you to know. And he will teach us all things. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And he's our comforter. He's so much more. 
but I encourage you. If you don't have your heavenly language, ask for it. If you want prayer for it, I love to pray for people to receive the gift of tongues and praying in the Spirit. Because today, as always, we need it. We need to know truth. That's how I've been praying. Lord, reveal truth to me. Amen.